Professor Alan Hughes, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast uh, series today. Now, you're a member of the Council for Science and Technology. You've recently been reappointed. Congratulations. What's so good about science today in Britain? Well, there are a number of ways in which you can estimate the strength of of the science base. Uh, The most common and widely used method is to compare the performance of UK universities with universities abroad in terms of the number of highly cited papers that are produced. Um, On those kinds of indices, UK universities score extremely highly, second only on average to the United States. And if you look at the resource cost per unit of highly cited paper produced, um, the UK is very efficient uh, in those terms. Of course, there is, as in all economies, a, a distribution of excellence across universities. And when you look at the top 10 or so universities in the world, the UK is well represented in that list compared to other countries. What about the growth of science in India and China? Is that going to um, compete with our science base here, or might it complement it? Well, in in the widest terms, one should always be pleased about an expansion of investment in the research base and the science base, since there's an inherent international character to the nature of scientific progress. So the more people engaged in this endeavour, the better it might be. So it's not really a threat in that sense. On the other hand, the fact that uh, there is a belief that the competitive advantage of certain sectors of an economy can be strengthened by that country's own investment, for instance, in engineering and science subjects, that might be considered a threat from the point of view of the commercialization of university-based research in those economies. That would be linked to very specific sectors and would lead to changes in the patterns of trade. So, in fact, one might pull up the other or complement the other. They're not mutually exclusive in that India and China does well and science in Britain does badly. Yes, I think they are, they are complementary in that sense. And, of course, one of the important things to do is establish collaborative links with emerging areas of science wherever they are and so attempts to link the UK more closely with the, the research and scientific base in India and China to develop complementarities is quite an important endeavour. It's also true that the expanding markets of India and China not only uh, are important for the dynamic performance of those economies, but also offer markets to other economies, and Britain can be one of those potential beneficiaries. And I suppose if China has a scientific development that undercuts Britain in terms of technology, health technology, that, that in, in fact we can learn lessons from that, that you know, it's reciprocal for all in a way. Yes, there will undoubtedly be reciprocal lessons that, that, that can be learned. That's why I think it's useful not always to characterise it as a threat. If we move on to the report itself, it talks about science needing a stability of purpose and direction and and to become an effective magnet for all. How can we secure that scientific future that's spoken of? Well, what the CST report, A Vision for UK Research, tries to do is, first of all, establish the the importance of there being a clear vision uh, or commitment to making the UK a leading university system, both in terms of the excellence of the research and in terms of the way that research can be exchanged, disseminated and developed in a variety of commercial and public sector and third sector environments. And will we be able to achieve that if the scientific 
base is being undermined by cuts in funding? Well, I, I don't think that the scientific base is being critically undermined by, by cuts in funding. I think, as I said earlier, that there's no doubt there's going to be a hiatus in funding and there will be some painful choices uh, which have to be made. Uh, the important thing is, through this process, to establish, first of all, a clear commitment to the long-run development of the UK as a centre of excellence in university-based research and teaching. The importance within that that's placed on the role that people play is critically important, and that's one of the main messages that the Vision for UK Research tries to set out, that in order to maintain excellence, you need to be able to attract the very best people, both in terms of appointments within the university sector, but also in terms of PhD students and the ability not only to attract but retain the best in the UK. I wondered, is that about pay or prestige? Might they come to somewhere that, that has a global name that's in that top ten of global universities that you refer to, and even if the pay is bad, or, or is it becoming much more competitive in terms of, of salaries, people not just wanting titles but wanting rewards as well? Well, it would be foolish to say that people don't care about money, but it's certainly not foolish to say that academics typically are not concerned about money primarily, but about their ability to effectively do the research that they're interested in carrying out and have the freedom and ability to do that. Being associated with prestige institutions per se is not a value. It's actually being able to interact with the people in them and that the facilities available are of the standard required. It's also important to recognize that uh, very many important opportunities can arise for important research which aren't linked to pay. So, for instance, stem cell research definitely benefited in the UK in recent years because of restrictions under the Bush administration on stem cell research in the United States. Do you think then that scientists and the leading scientists might well see the world as their playground, that in fact they, they will go where their particular field uh, of research actually reaches those goals of excellence? Yes, there's a, there is a, a degree of mobility, um, and the reason that people move uh, will be related to the resources, the structure, and the quality of the individuals and organisations in which they can work. How would you go about achieving that goal of excellence? You, as a member of the Council for Science and, and Technology, you've sat through many meetings. You're better placed than most to know strategically how we get there. Well, one of the most important features of the UK university system is that we have a dual funding structure of research. So universities are given allocations of funding based on their excellence, as established by uh, research assessment exercises, or as it's going to be known in the future, the research excellence framework. That flow of funding gives universities considerable discretion as to the way in which they use those funds, and that produces an important degree of diversity in the system. The other part of the dual funding structure is, of course, individuals um, and research teams applying for funding directly to the research councils. So you have a parallel system um, in which excellence is um, rewarded in terms of specific uh, research projects compared against others bidding for research council funds. That combination is very effective because you get a reward for excellence based on sustained performance in the past, which is the element which goes through the research assessment exercise, and then you have an important forward-looking element which is on the basis of proposed research 
going forward. Of course, there's a link between the two. Research projects and proposals are often analyzed in the context of the excellence of the proposers, but it's a very powerful and important part of our system, and maintaining it should be an important part of ensuring excellence in the future. And, and would you, as a newly reappointed member of the Council for Se- Science and Te- Technology, uh, be able to pl- make a particular contribution to the future of science in the country? They say upstream and downstream, don't they? Well, I, I think rather than what is the personal role that I would play, I'd say that the role that uh, every individual member of the Council for Science and Technology plays is to bring to the discussions the particular backgrounds networks and research expertise that they have. In in my case, uh, being a social scientist, uh, it's important uh, that at the Council for Science and Technology and in policy discussions, the role of social science in understanding, for instance, processes of innovation or the behavioral aspects of the way in which people want to engage in research or commercialization is a very important part of formulating effective policy. And so I'd see that as a, a particular contribution that, that I make as one of a number of social scientists on the council. And just to, to go back to the beginning, Professor Hughes, this fear about the cut in, in science funding, you seem to be saying that, that actually with the ingenuity, with a sense of a purpose, you know, we can sustain Great Britain, the lead we have in science. Yes, of course, I would want to argue, as a member of the university system, that it's important to maintain the maximum degree of momentum we can in funding the underlying infrastructure of universities and the ability to conduct research. But it's inevitable that there will be cuts. Uh, Some have been announced in relation to teaching, and there will be important decisions to be taken um, in, in the year ahead, and no doubt whoever wins the election after the election. The important uh, thing is to have a medium to long-term commitment to reassure both uh, other countries and uh, companies and members of the university system themselves that the commitment to excellence in the research base and proper funding will be maintained in the long run when conditions improve. Professor Alan Hughes, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today and good luck with securing the future of science in Britain. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed talking to you.